Wherever cancer is, Hancock Health will fight. In any part of you and in all corners of East Central Indiana. From Indianapolis to Greenfield to Knightstown to Rushville. From hospital rooms to family rooms, we fight. With technology and medicine. With care backed by the wisdom of Mayo Clinic. For you, for your family, and for your future in Rush County. We fight cancer here. HancockHealth.org slash cancer. Hammer and Nigel. Do you believe these characters are weirdos? On 93 WIBC. So let's rock it! Man, Hammer, did you hear them talking about the WIBC newsroom earlier? The, uh, the drug bust? And I don't know if drug bust actually does this justice. It's not like IMPD busted a guy with like a few pounds of weed. 286 pounds of coke! Woo! That That's, sounds like enough for Hunter Biden to have a New Year's <laughs> Eve party right there. Wow. Well, by himself. Right. And nobody else is invited. Uh, detectives, wow. They got some tip that this huge shipment of drugs is going to be passing through Marion County. And I think they made the bust last week. Is this some kind of bust? Yes. It's very impressive. <laughs> $13 million worth of Colombian Bam Bam right there in that one single arrest. $13 million bucks. That's the street value. The driver of the truck was a 50-year-old guy named Mauro Alonzo Vargas of Ennis, Texas. And Vargas. he was arrested and sent to the Hendricks County Jail. It's like they weren't even trying to hide it. Like, it wasn't, like, inside the wheel well, or it wasn't, like, hidden somewhere. They just loaded it up at the back of the truck and hit the road. A lot of the times with these gigantic drug busts, you see the guy that's actually transporting the material is either speeding or a, a light a headlight is out or he doesn't use his turn signal. He's swerving because he's on his phone. Right, exactly. That's how these guys got pulled over. But this was apparently a tip that came in somebody knew about this man it just kind of makes you wonder how many you know big rigs are out there just driving okay good like point. you know nobody's yes. business out there on the roads every day carrying this much drugs i mean this is 13 million bucks worth of blow that isn't like a baggie of weed or something this is major drug trafficking here and for that matter you know, if they're able to just drive, you know, all over the country, seemingly pretty easy. What if they do humans in the back of that? Like it's human well, trafficking do. the same way. They do, of course. We've had horrific stories of uh, uh, people trying to get across the border being trafficked in those semis that uh, are die of heat exhaustion, uh, die of dehydration in the back of those semis without any food or water. Of course they do. Of course. So hat and, tip to everybody who was involved in, you know, taking that thing off the streets. Yeah, and by the way, I mean, I don't know. I'm assuming this came through the southern border. I mean, I don't know of any gigantic uh, mass-producing cocaine uh, cartels that are operating within the United States, do you? Like, this all has to go past to our, uh, our porous open borders. 
What makes you think that 50-year-old Mauro Alonzo Vargas of Ennis, Texas, possibly came through look, the border, Nige? Look, all, all I know is that um, all I know is that Biden's in Arizona. He's bragging about the microchip plant, and somebody asked him, oh, are you going to go visit the border? He's like, eh, it's not important. Eh. This kind of stuff is why people die. I mean, 286 pounds of cocaine. I, I, I'd rather probably, if I was given the choice of two drugs, I'd probably do coke, not fentanyl or meth, but I'm saying not just because of the drug drugs people die, but because of the action, because of the transactions, because of the illegal dealing, gang activity. This is where it all stems from. These are where many of the homicides come from is, are, are, are these kinds of are things. Somewhere there's a writer from the Indie Star or Channel 13 that's going to run with the headline, Nigel admits he prefers cocaine. <laughs> you know what I mean. Come on, if you're given if you if you're given a choice between coke and meth, I'm doing the coke. I mean, at I'm least your touching. teeth will still look good. Yeah, I mean, you, meth will just rot those things out. Yeah. Um, is tonight something worthy of a tailgate? The Georgia runoff election. <laughs> Herschel Walker, <laughs> Raphael Warnock, two men enter, one man leaves. Is tonight something yeah. worthy of a special uh, tailgate or some beverages at the very yeah, least? Am I, am I tapping a keg for tonight watching the results of this? No, because I know I'll probably be disappointed. I mean, Walker is, it's been close in the polls. Herschel Walker is the a former football star and uh, uh, Republican candidate there doing the runoff against Warnock. He wants a full term, radical progressive leftists. And uh, most, I haven't seen, uh, like, I know the polls have been closed, but I don't, I don't think I've seen one pollster give Walker the lead. Right. This Trafalgar poll I'm looking at right now, uh, Walker trails by four. And uh, Trafalgar usually leans yeah. pretty conservative friendly, too historically trafalgar leans to the right and if they've got him down by four that's interesting but it's 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 again and you you put it very succinctly hammer that people need to be paying attention to this all across the united states so while no i don't think i'm i'm breaking out the chicken wings and the smoker and and putting the keg on ice um probably important to keep an eye on it i just have a feeling i'm gonna be real disappointed hell almost two billion two million people early voted as of Sunday night. And who does that usually million. favor? Uh, well, look, I was reading about this. Georgia doesn't have partisan registration. So you don't put, like, you don't put that. But given the voting patterns in the South, it favors Democrats. Right. It always favors, favors Democrats. Given the patterns of early voting patterns yeah. everywhere, this favors the Democrats. Some now, of those early voters might be Kemp supporters, though, or may have voted for Kemp and not voted for Senator. Or, so, you know, I'm just. You know, I'm just spitballing here. Right. Listen, there are votes out there. 82,000 people voted third party in the last midterm election. So that means these voters did not vote for Herschel Walker or Raphael Warnock. The votes are out there. Who can get those 82,000 people to jump on their side? Who can get them to show up? They're getting some rain in Georgia today. I think this is bad news for Herschel Walker oh, yeah. because the Republicans always bank on people showing up to vote in person. Well, they're getting some pretty torrential rain in parts of Georgia today. If that keeps people from standing in line and waiting outside. Should, should Republicans start turning the tables here a little bit? 
I know Republicans are the ones that turn out in person, but maybe they should be playing up the drop boxes and the early, the you know, harvesting and the early ballots and all that stuff. Put Fight a couple, fire with fire. You a, have to. Put a, put a couple drop boxes at the NRA convention in the churches. Set up a big tent right outside of Sanford Stadium where the Georgia Bulldogs play. Register some voters there. Um, And I think that's a big part of a national discussion about who is going to lead the RNC. Uh, But getting back to this specific race in Georgia tonight, it sounds like the folks that are going to be voting for Herschel Walker, inflation is the big story. And sir, what's the number one issue for you and your family? Economy. I'm a small business owner. Been one for over 30 years here. Just, you know, it means everything to my business. Inflation is a big deal across the country. Yeah. And the White House, they claim they're looking to fix the glitches. If I could use an office space reference there. They're trying to fix the glitches of the Inflation Reduction Act without... Having to go through Congress. Were they fix the glitch without going through Congress? Correct. I believe that's called tyranny. That doesn't surprise me. I mean, they're going to fix stuff without going through Congress. Obama tried to fix, uh, you know, tried to give amnesty basically through DACA. That was illegal without uh, Congress. He just did it through an executive order. Biden did the same thing with um, with debt forgiveness. They don't need, who need Congress? I think inflation, I think that Inflation Reduction Act is the glitch. I think that's the entire problem here. Here is the White House press secretary. <laughs> Glitches that uh, might be uh, that we have talked that we have heard about in particular in this particular piece of uh, this law now. And so what I was saying, no, there are uh, no uh, there are there. We don't have plans to go back to Congress on that. <laughs> yeah. The, okay. bill, the bill is the glitch. There's not glitches within the law. The law is the glitch. Listen, as the holidays, you know, come upon us here, it's tough for a lot of families to buy gifts right now because of inflation, especially grandmas. So with that being said, here's a little tribute from Hammer and Nigel Records. Grandma got run over by inflation. Come on. Just sitting in her chair watching TV. She never really cared too much for Santa. Oh. Just bingo night with Earl and Cousin Steve. <laughs> she couldn't afford to spike her eggnog. <laughs> That's a bummer. No. Just had to sit around at home. Streaming episodes of Matlock <laughs> and watching Otis on the Andy Griffith Show. Love Otis. Busting out tonight. When she saw her savings dwindle, she hatched a plan to get it back. So she sold her shares in Tesla, <laughs> flew to Vegas, and put all of it on black. Red the winner. There it is. Hammer and Nigel Records. A little something to set Uh, the holiday mood. Classic. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show on 93 WIBC. So what happened with the Pacers last night, Hammer? They're on this big road swing uh, out west. Of course, I wouldn't be able to stay up to watch. Well, it starts till 10 o'clock. Yeah, of course. I was, I was long in bed by then. <laughs> I've been going to bed so early. I missed, uh, man, I didn't, I didn't even watch Tucker last night. I, I didn't watch him Friday night. I just, I, I've been going to bed early for some reason. And by the way, the kids are, uh, I'm sorry, my wife is out of town. So I'll, I'll be playing some catch up tonight. 
go to bed, big thing of uh, whiskey, nice nice big tall glass of gin So there beam. will be a little bit of tailgating for tonight. Yeah, but then I'll probably watch some Netflix okay. after that and just kind of check my phone. But yeah, it so, was so like any other night. Fun night of sports last night. If you needed a little bit of a break, uh, depending on where you stand with Tom Brady, the old man was vintage Tom Brady. Drove his team down with two minutes left. Got the game-winning touchdown, vintage Tom. And then the Pacers, they were really shorthanded last night. They didn't have Tyrese Halliburton. They didn't have Miles Turner. TJ McConnell was out. And they went on the road, and they beat Steph Curry and the Golden State Warriors last night. How did the rookie do? Well, both rookies balled out. Uh, They started last night due to the injuries. Andrew Nebhard, who hit the game winner against the Lakers. Yeah. He had 31 points, 13 assists, and eight rebounds. He's the rookie from Gonzaga. And the other kid, Ben Matherin from Arizona, he had 14 last night. So as 31 points from Nembhard. As down as everybody is on the Colts, and rightfully so right now, uh, this young group of Indiana Pacers, man, they're, uh, they're balling out. Like The future is there. Like You can see the future with that team. With the Indianapolis Colts, you see pink slips in the future <laughs> of a lot of people. You think we're going to see the action on the uh, the bye week here from the Colts? No, no. Nothing, nothing else to come? Nope. I think Jeff Saturday nothing? spoke to the media yesterday, including to our pal Kevin Bowen, and said, I'm not going to make any decisions now because, you know, I'm still emotional after what happened on Sunday night. So we're just going to wait and chill a little bit here. Um, According to a new survey, the biggest airline pet peeves include somebody kicking your seat and forced small talk upon you. I would say, yeah, kicking of the seat or see like the leaning back of the seat. Oh, yeah. I know what you're talking about. The leaning back of the seat in front of you, although technically, should you ask permission since you're able to do it? You know what I mean? That's kind of a gray area, isn't it? Like, yes, you bought the seat, so you should be allowed to do what you want, but is it socially unacceptable if you lean that thing back like Dr. Dre (laughs) driving his Impala down Crenshaw? (laughs) Like, what are the rules here? Especially, like, have a ponytail or something, and your hair is (laughs) drooping over the seat, and I've got the hair in my my drink. Some ratty mullet from some hillbilly from, (laughs) you know, Mississippi and it's just hanging on you and you're trying to, you know, get some work done or something. Uh, Here's the list of this survey. Biggest airline pet peeves. Number one, when the person behind you kicks the seat. Number two, line cutting or people who try to cut at the check-in or the gate. Number three, when people are rude to the staff. The flight yeah. attendants, the person working the the gate. There's two sides of that coin, though. The opposite is when they're rude to you, True. which happens. It does happen. Uh, number four, people who stand on moving walkways <laughs> and you can't get by either way, either side. Yeah, you you can stop walking, just get the hell out of the way. Right. right? Slide over just a little bit. Uh, number five, people who crowd the gate before it's time to board. Number six, someone asking if they'll switch seats with you, which, by the way, the answer is no. And <laughs> whatever num- they, they're separated from their kid or something like Sorry, that. Sorry, you should have booked your seats together. <laughs> Tell little Johnny son of a bitch to man up. It's going to be a three-hour flight. And number seven, strangers who force you into small talk on the plane. The one part that I did not yeah. see on this list, 
those horrible people that when the plane lands, they stand up immediately, even though it's not their time to get off yet. Because the way you get off of an airplane, yeah. it moves from the front to the back. The people that stand up in the middle and get all their luggage down and just stand there like goons and block everybody, <laughs> there's a special place in Guantanamo oh, for these people. So I'm not allowed, like if I'm sitting in the aisle, I can't just get up and stretch my legs or something like that real quick? I don't, I you, don't ever you get You can my... get up and stretch, but if you stay there and like okay. you just stand up and like it's not your time. Yeah, I'm not getting my luggage out until it's time for me to move. Right. But I am occasionally, if I'm on the aisle, getting up to stretch a little bit. There's no need to rush to the front of the plane. It's based on where you're seated at. Come on now. Be better than that. Don't even get me started on the people that don't give you the courtesy wave when you're driving. That's for a whole new <laughs> okay. show. Uh, it's the Hammer and Nigel show. We're coming back. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Sam and Nigel Show. My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer is here. We'll go straight to the drivehubler.com hotline and bring on Emma Joe Morris, politics editor at Breitbart News, previously... Uh, worked as deputy politics editor at the New York Post, reported the exclusive Hunter Biden laptop from Hell series. Emma Joe, how are you? Hey, thanks so much for having me on. I'm uh, I'm happy to be with you. You know, I, I think your career is really interesting, and I want to talk to you here maybe after we talk about the Twitter file dump. I, I, I want to hear all about your time at the New York Post and what the last two years have been like for you. Uh, you know, it, it's got to be one hell of a roller coaster ride you've been on here. Oh, yeah. I mean, to say the least. <laughs> so I definitely want to go back to the beginning here. But first, the Twitter email file dump from Elon Musk. What did you think? Did we learn anything new? What was left out? Um, what what exactly was in this thing that we need to know about? Uh, yeah, so uh, there's a lot that we learned, and then there's even more that I think was left out. But um, let's start with what we learned. So just so your listeners are aware, um, I, am, I broke the original Laptop from Hell series at the New York Post um, I, when I was deputy politics editor there. That was on October 14th, 2020. So I've been living this now for about two years. It's obviously become um, a major theme in my career, especially as this was never really dealt with um, and, and the scandal that surrounded it was never really dealt with. So you get information kind of on a week-by-week, month-by-month basis, and it keeps coming up, and it just never goes away. Um, but yeah, so this is the latest in this whole saga. And um, I'll start with what I thought was interesting insight and revealing about what came out on Friday, and then um, I can move on to what I thought was missing. So what I thought was the most interesting line that came out of this whole thing um, in the Matt Chaibi thread was how um, how... Okay, so Twitter deputy counsel is a guy named Jim Baker, and that name may sound familiar. It does, um, yeah. He, yeah, he was former senior FBI, and he was at the center of the Russia hoax, um, <laughs> the fake story about Russia collusion that the FBI was, you know, fake investigating for two years or three years even during the Trump administration. So he kind of fell up from that debacle and ended up at Twitter um, at a, in a management position at Twitter. Wow. In, in council capacity there. So he is in these emails that were released by Matt Taibbi and Elon Musk. And you see him kind of being like, um, 
you know, there's information that would lead us to believe that this is a hack and leak. Um, and, and there's also information to say that, you know, it's from an abandoned laptop, but let's err on the side of censorship. Let's, let's assume that it's a hack until we're proven, um, you know, until there's proof otherwise. Um, but the problem with that is that, um, on October 14th in that story that they're talking about, the New York post publishes its first, um, you know, its first kind of in the series of the laptop from hell reporting. And in that first story, um, obviously I explained like how I got this information, um, the provenance of it, how I got it, what I have, um, and why I believe that it is worth reporting and why I believe that it's authentic, you know, and I, and I laid all of that out in that first story. Um, and within that explanation of why I thought that this was worth reporting, I have a subpoena, a federal subpoena that was given to the computer repair shop guy who originally got the laptop from Hunter. Um, and he basically had seen what was on the laptop. He called Hunter to come pick it up after he was done his work on it, the service. Hunter never picked it up, right? And then 90 days lapses. And then after 90 days, um, Hunter never paid for the service. He's abandoned the laptop there. It becomes the laptop repair shop guy's property. So he knows what's on it. He kind of freaks out and he decides he's going to call the FBI and give it to the FBI um, just so that he's just not in sole possession of this thing that may have illegal, you know, documents on it or yeah. something that maybe is illegal for him to be in possession of. You know, so he just gets the FBI involved as a precaution and he gives them the computer and gives them a copy of the hard drive and they in return give him a federal subpoena that's kind of like a receipt. So that was passed on to me and shown to me as part of, you know, my verification of the story and I published that on the story that I published about the first tranche of emails that I was revealing. So back to Jim Baker, he would have seen that document and obviously recognized that that would have been part of his day-to-day life in his capacity at the FBI. Um, so I thought that the, the biggest takeaway for me from the Twitter files was really um, obvious willful ignorance on the part of Twitter and especially on the part of Jim Baker. He should have seen that document and said, you know, this obviously is in possession of the FBI. They've published a subpoena. Um, this doesn't look like a hack. Or if, let's say, he thought in some sort of crazy circumstance that the New York Post fabricated such a document, he could have also called the FBI and asked if this is a real and authentic, um, you know, obviously subpoena, and do, does the FBI have it, which he would have done, and, and Matt Taibbi reports it that Twitter does get into contact with the FBI on a circumstance like this. So, um, so the whole thing just really showed that they didn't have an earnest, you know, attempt to try to figure out what this was or, you know, moderate it fairly. This was willful ignorance. They wanted to censor this and they just needed a predicate. So they threw one on, okay, it was hacked. They knew it wasn't hacked. Emma Joe Jason Hammer here. So with this Twitter dump that we saw last Friday, the Twitter files, who came out looking worse? Was it the Twitter brass at San Francisco? Was it the FBI? Or was it the Biden administration? The campaign turned into administration. Who came out worse? Um, I think that this is most humiliating for Twitter, to be honest. Uh, this was This was a huge 
embarrassment for them. You know, they at least need to have some sort of air of credibility, even if we know that they have no credibility. They try to kind of give this impression that they really are trying to be neutral arbiters as, as best they can. And this really just destroyed that. This destroyed that. This showed a company that A, was completely disorganized, B, was completely ideological and unfair, and C, um, has zero dissent, absolutely zero dissent. Um, one of the things that I actually also meant to mention in my first kind of piece of this answer um, from the last question was what it didn't show. And, yeah. and it didn't show a couple of things. The first thing that you know comes off of what I just said is it didn't show one person in that company who said, um, wait a second, this is a mainstream outlet, the New York Post. It's owned by News Corp. It's owned by Rupert Murdoch. This isn't some fringe weirdo who's, who's um, <laughs> you know, muttering about something and it's going viral. Yeah. This is um, a, the oldest paper in the country. This was founded by Alexander Hamilton. Um, you know, maybe we should, uh, you know, call the editor-in-chief of the New York Post or call News Corp to figure out what's going on before we jump to censor. There was not one single person that did that. There was not one voice that, that questioned the decision-making um, of erring on the side of extreme censorship. Like, do you realize, like, they wrote um, in, this dump, in this Twitter file stump that they were applying the same mechanism on the New York Post that they applied to child porn you know, think about that. Um, okay. And not a single person, not a single person said, hold on a second. What are we doing? There's an election in three weeks. Did anybody reach out to you, Emma Joe, specifically from Twitter or even the FBI? Did they reach out to you specifically? No, absolutely not. No. Um, Twitter was in contact with the New York Post. Um at one point in this whole thing, but the reason was because the New York Post was negotiating with Twitter about unlocking its account, which stayed locked for 16 days yeah. at the time. So the editor-in-chief of the New York Post was in a back and forth with Twitter um, trying to get the situation handled in terms of getting access back to its at NY Post official Twitter account which it relies on, obviously, to proliferate information. Hey, we're speaking with Emma Jo Morris, a politics editor for Breitbart. She worked for the New York Post and broke the Hunter Biden laptop from hell story. And I, I want to take a quick break here and we get back, ask you about uh, any government involvement directly with Twitter and other social media platforms. That's next on The Hammer and Nigel Show. Okay, we're back. It's the Hammer and Nigel show. Uh, Emma Jo Morris is on the DriveHubler.com hotline. She's politics editor at Breitbart News, but she uh, previously worked uh, for the New York Post. It broke the Hunter Biden laptop story, and we're uh, sort of dissecting the Twitter file dump, all the emails that Elon Musk put out there. Uh, Emma Jo, I know you have a piece on Breitbart right now about uh, possible government interaction with Twitter. I know the files, the emails didn't really mention the FBI specifically, but you do seem to think that there was some guidance from the government in terms of suppressing and censoring the Hunter Biden laptop story. And that's exactly right. So I published a story on Breitbart um, that says um, we have um, three instances that we know of um, that indicate that the FBI and the intelligence community were guiding censorship policy at Twitter. And that was wow. one thing that I was really um, focused on, the fact that I didn't see that from Matt Taibbi. And there's another tranche of uh, Twitter files coming out of Barry Weiss, if I'm not mistaken. That's what, that's what Elon Musk said. Um, so we should be expecting that in the next few days. Um, and I'm hoping that that touches on this issue, because we know for a fact this came up 
there's three different pieces of information that we have that we know FBI was involved in this. So I'll, I'll go through them. The first was Mark Zuckerberg in August. He was on the Joe Rogan Experience, which is a very popular podcast, obviously yep. hosted by Joe Rogan. And um, I don't know if you or your listeners remember, but when Mark Zuckerberg was on that podcast, he kind of casually mentioned actually in conversation about the laptop from hell and its censorship on Facebook. He mentioned he goes something to the effect of um, the FBI gave us a heads up at Meta, which is the parent company at Facebook. He said the FBI gave us a heads up that there were um, hacking um, attempts on members of the campaigns and, um, you know, to be vigilant about misinformation and hack and leak operations that would be going on and disseminated on social media. So Mark Zuckerberg said that it was that tip that made him on alert for something to that effect. And then the New York Post comes out and, and keep in mind, by the way, we did not hack it. No source of ours hacked it. Hunter Biden abandoned his computer, and we wrote that in the story. But Mark Zuckerberg saw this. He saw personal information about Hunter Biden floating around. He saw stories um, that were gleaned from Hunter Biden's personal hard drive. And he just assumed, oh, this is what the FBI was warning me about. I must censor it. That's number one. So Mark Zuckerberg himself admitted that the FBI was tipping him off on censorship practice and what he should be looking out for in the lead-up to the election. That's number one. Number two, uh, Miranda Devine at the New York Post, who's my former colleague and and my mentor, and, you know, we go way back, and she reported uh, just the other day um, on Sunday night that um, Yul Roth, who is um, a former Twitter employee, he was the former head of trust and safety at Twitter and and a major censor at Twitter, he uh, testified to the FEC um, in actually in December of 2020, um, but it's just getting unearthed now, that he was in uh, monthly and then weekly meetings with the FBI and with, he says, quote, members of the intelligence community. Um, he was in meetings with them in the lead up to the election where they were advising him that there was going to be, again, a hack and leak operation. And he says, actually, that they even explicitly mentioned Hunter. And they said, be careful about a hacking of Hunter Biden that's going to be disseminated on Twitter and you have to be ready for it and it's going to be misinformation and you got to censor it. And so that's instance number two. And then instance number three, Fox News reported on just on Saturday, actually, that um, Elvis Chan, who is a FBI agent, testified under oath to the attorneys general of Missouri and Louisiana who are in lawsuits now about censorship. And this FBI agent said that he was organizing at first monthly meetings, which then turned to weekly meetings when it got closer to the election, with up to seven agents and members of big tech companies and management at these companies to talk about misinformation, to talk about censorship, and uh, to warn them of, of you know issues that they should be aware of and to, to warn them to censor them. So, you know, we have these three examples that we know of that have been reported and set under oath in some cases, um, of of social media and the FBI both admitting that these communications were going on, these meetings were going on, they were extremely frequent. And listen, you can call it misinformation or Russia or whatever. You can justify it however you want. What was going on was the FBI, and in Joel Roth's case, he says the intelligence community, which leads me to believe that that was probably, you know, CIA or NSA, they were advising censorship practice. That's it. Yep. I, you know what they're classifying it now as um, a distraction 
<laughs> according to the White House. This <laughs> right. is all just a, right, a big right. Dis- it's old news, you know. Right, right, right. I, I Look, Emma Jo Morris is uh, Breitbart News. She broke the uh, Hunter Biden laptop story from the New York Post's and uh, we're running out of time here, Emma. Um, I, I, I think we—I feel like we could talk to you for an hour straight with no commercials. And <laughs> this is—I um, was assuming people have reached out to you now that you, your reporting has turned out to be 100% accurate. People on the left have reached out to you and apologized. Correct? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, of course. The phone's off the hook. Brandon and, and uh, Brian Stelter yeah. to uh, line up to apologize. Yeah, you got to cash in apologies at the bank. Emma, what are you working on right now at Breitbart? <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm politics editor at Breitbart. I've been writing columns, you know, stunting on my haters and yeah. uh, sharing my thoughts more generally. <laughs> and where can people find you, uh, social media, and, and your work? Yeah, please look at my bar line on Breitbart. I'm on Twitter at Emma Jo NYC. Um, and uh, I look forward to hearing from listeners and readers. I love hearing back. And, and please reach out. Uh, we'll talk to you again very soon. Hope you'll come back. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? On 93 WIBC. So let's rock it! If if you missed the conversation we had earlier with the journalist that broke the Hunter Biden laptop story, you got to go to WIBC.com, go to the Hammer and Nigel page, and listen back to that. Emma Jo Morris is her name, worked for the New York Post, was the deputy politics editor there, uh, did the whole Laptop from Hell series. She now is a political editor at Breitbart. That was, that was incredible. Check out the podcast uh, page, because yeah. that's where all of our content lives, on the podcast page. Had a lot of people tweeting at us, and, and, and somebody said, well, you know, why were the contents important to the, the laptop? And and it's like, we've been over this time and time and time again. There's there's reason to believe whatever's on that laptop, you know, Hunter was trading on his dad's name overseas, China, Russia, Ukraine, and kickbacks going to the big guy, 10% to the big guy, which is Joe Biden at the time, vice president. Um, so uh, paying for access and favor to the vice president of the United States under uh, Obama. But if you ask the White House about any of this right oh, now, man. they're simply saying, ah, eh, this is something that just needs to be dismissed. What we need to focus on is all the hate speech happening on Twitter. We see this as a, a an interesting or a coincidence, if I may, that uh, uh, that he would so haphazardly, uh, Twitter would so haphazardly push this distraction. Uh, that is a that is a full of uh, old news, if you think about it. Um, and uh, at the same time, Twitter is facing very real and very serious questions uh, about the rising volume of anger, hate, and anti-Semitism on their platform, and uh, how they're letting it happen. And, uh, you know, the president said last week, more leaders need to speak out and reject this. What is happening, it's, it's not, it's, it's frankly, it's not healthy. It won't do anything to help a single American improve their lives. And so, look, this isn't, we, we see this as an interesting, uh, you, know, cons, uh, you know, coincidence. Uh, and, uh, we, and, you know, it's a distraction. A distraction. I think what actually it was right there was a, quote, deflection from KJP in the White House and the press secretary right there. Um, 
yeah, obviously, to to do a pivot to hate speech, hate speech on the platform. When Elon Musk has has tweeted out uh, graphs and things like that, internal uh, graphs to show how hate speech has gone down since he's taken over. I don't know. I don't know what I'm looking at there, really. Right. But he's he's the one tweeting them out, and uh, I have no reason not to believe that. You know, he's getting rid of the hate speech. He's getting rid of the the child porn stuff. He's I, I don't know. I, I think he's cleaning up. And I think the whole Twitter email leak, if you will, the internal documents detailing how governments and um, uh, and media, uh, you know, colluded, if you will, with uh, social media, including Twitter, to suppress the Hunter Biden laptop story. I think that's a big deal. I mean, imagine I, if this it, happened against Hillary. Imagine if it was Donald Trump Jr.'s laptop. Right. Either way. Yeah. Like change the names, change the party. I'm telling you, it'd be DEFCON 1 on CNN, MSNBC. They would have a bat signal with Adam Schiff's neck on it. And every time they would shine it up into the sky, he would jump on television and talk about all the surefire evidence that he's got that there's corruption going on here. That it was Adam Schiff that lied to us and said that it was a Russian hack. All the laptop stuff was Russian disinformation, and now you have evidence that the FBI was contacting social media platforms, Twitter, Facebook, ahead of the release of those uh, the laptop articles and saying, hey, just so you know, this might, be a, this might be a problem. It's all Russian disinfo, when they knew damn well it wasn't. Right. They had the laptop for a long time. They knew it wasn't hacked. They knew it wasn't Russian misinfo and there's evidence to believe although the fbi wasn't mentioned in any of the the twitter emails that the the fbi was guiding social media on how to censor some of this stuff they're a part of this they are absolutely a part of this and so is the biden administration because when it went from the biden campaign team to ultimately the biden administration because this also was continuing after Joe Biden won the election, uh, they were basically demanding and wanting approval on things to be done. And there was one Twitter employee that would respond with handled. Oh, yeah. 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 I want to know who that employee was. I want to know who from the DNC and or the, the Biden campaign was contacting Twitter. We don't have those names. I'd like to see exactly who was working in concert with um, um, the DNC and the Biden campaign in terms of, hey, we need to squash this, quote, handled. Right. It feels like since we've been talking about Joe Biden so much, if we're going to do this, we need to do it right. Let's check in with wheeling, dealing, hair sniffing, kiss stealing Joe Joe Biden. Biden. I got hairy legs. If I'm elected, we're going to cure cancer. <laughs> the president has a big dick. <laughs> so, Nige. Where is that cure for cancer, by the way? Is that. Joe Biden's <laughs> finally going to do it. He's cure going cancer? to Arizona. He's going to hop on Air Force One. He's going to handle the tough problems. We've been talking about it for ages. The border? He's going to Arizona. Oh, the border. Okay. Oh, no. No, 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 no. Not the border. He said he's got more important stuff to do. State and not visit the border. Because there's more important thing going on. They're going to invest billions of dollars in a new enterprise. Well, he's talking about microchips. Yes. So he's going there. He's going to Arizona to brag about the right. microchip uh, manufacturing plant there. But he's getting closer. I think that's he important. Is. We're Very making close. baby steps here. Joe Biden and the uh, 
the czar of the border, Kamala Harris, we're making baby steps. They're getting closer and closer to where it actually is. Now, I will say, I do think it's important to to start those microchip manufacturing plants. They don't have to rely on Taiwan or China or anybody like that. I do think that's important, but also important. I don't know if you should be downplaying what's going on at the border right now. Ah, this, this is more important. We got to make sure Nancy Pelosi's stock portfolio goes up. Screw the border. <laughs> By the way, yes, I'm on board with making more microchips, but that bill was such a pork-loaded disaster. And don't forget, your Republican senator, Todd Young, signed off on that. All right, we got a big Georgia runoff election tonight. Okay, Tonight is the night we're going to find out if the Democrats have a two-seat advantage in the Senate or if it's going to stay at one. Herschel Walker v. Raphael Warnock. All eyes are on Georgia. So here's what we're going to do, Nige. We're going to play a little game. All right, Kylan, I want you to pull your microphone a little close. Kylan's our producer today. We're going to play Know Your Georgia Songs. Oh. So, Nige, Kylan, I'm going to play a couple different songs here. Kylan, ladies first. This is how we're going to do it. We're going to play three different songs about the state of Georgia. You have to name as many as you can. Nige, you'll do the same thing with another set of three. The loser gets to take a shot. They have to take a shot on the oh, air. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> did you ask Kylan if she actually wanted to participate in this? I did not. <laughs> <laughs> we got the backbone bourbon, oh, the uncut, ready to go. So here we go. Kylan, oh, how old are you, by the way? I'm 23. So some of these songs might be tough for you, yeah, okay? I, I have a feeling you're not in my corner on this. Does she Does she have to name them as they're playing, or can she write them down and just listen, or bo- either way? She can either yell it out okay. if she knows it, or we'll need an answer once it right. ends. Oh, gosh. Clip number one. Oh! You are in my corner. Devil went down to Georgia. There you go. That's an easy one. All right. So we got one on the board for Kylan here. Devil went down to Georgia. Know your Georgia songs, number two. Oh, gosh. Excuse me? Name this Georgia song, Kylan. Uh, I've got nothing. How is that supposed to be? That Nope, got nothing. Uh, Would you have got it? I mean, it's a Harlem Globetrotters. I don't know that. Sweet Georgia Brown is the name of the song officially. Sweet Georgia Brown. All right. Kylan, this is your last one. Now, the song is going to identify itself. So I need you to name the artist. Okay? Name the artist of this one. Georgia. Georgia. The whole day. Giving this to a 23-year-old and watching her head like spin yeah. all the way around right now is beautiful. Okay, that makes sense for the lyrics. Georgia on my mind, but the artist? Yes, we need the artist. Yeah. It's a, it's a pretty popular, well-known artist, but been gone for a while. Yeah. Old, old. I need an answer. That sounds like Nat King Cole, but maybe... Oh, Wrong. Gosh. Nope. We're looking for Ray Charles. Ray Charles. No, Ray Charles. So you got one. That. You got one of them. All right, Nige, you got to get two for the win here. Good luck, okay. Name this Georgia song. My delights went out in Georgia. Yes, sir. There's one. And for bonus points, can you give me uh, an artist? Reba. Here? I'll accept Reba or Vicki Lawrence, either one. 
All right. Now, here's another one where you need to name the artist okay. because the song will identify itself. I got my peaches out in Georgia. Oh, yeah. I get my weed from California. Oh, Kyle, it looks like you're doing a shot upset. here. <laughs> Why wasn't this given to me? Yeah, this is Justin Bieber. That's that is it. so rude. <laughs> All right, you let's see if you can run the table here. Let's see sure. if you can get the full frush. Last one. He said he's going. He said he's going back to find. Going back to find. Ooh, 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 what's left of us? Name this song about Georgia. Not so long ago. I have no Gladys idea. Gladys Knight, Midnight Train to Georgia. Come on. He's leaving. All right. Well, I still won. <laughs> Here's the thing, though. So Kylan has to do this shot. I, I mean, I want to do a shot, too. <laughs> well, you know what? So you do deserve I. to. I happened this to bring three crap. shot glasses here because I had a feeling that this would be the case. And I can't believe you didn't play Georgia Satellites. I was running out of time. <laughs> yes, that's a great one. Uh, here, bring your glass over here, Nigel. Let me. Uh, I'm getting shocked by my headphones here. <laughs> <laughs> Let me pour a little. That's what you get for winning. Let me give that other one to Kyla. Yeah, take this don't, over to. Don't uh, be af- don't be afraid to break your wrist. Take this over to. Uh, break, break your wrist there, Hammer. Break your there. wrist there. That one's yours, know. right? <laughs> <laughs> Don't be afraid to break your wrist, is what my buddy used to say to the bartender. Don't you go skimpy on me now. All right, so now that everybody's got uh, a little shot, a little something in their hand, again, shout out to our friends at uh, Backbone Bourbon here. Uh, Cheers on three to another great ratings book for WIBC and the Hammer and Nigel show. One, two, three, cheers. Mm -mm. That that was Ah! some bourbon. You good, Kylan? <laughs> it's burning my lungs. <laughs> Woo! Oh, that's good stuff right there. Yeah, we weren't going to let our 23-year-old producer do that shot on our own. No, I, no That was no. a fun game, though. I was trying I to was... give her like the older ones and you the younger ones, just because I was trying to balance it out a little bit. Because I felt like she would get Justin Bieber. Yeah, my kids, oh, I mean, look, my kids have listened to that stupid song a million times from Justin Bieber. And that here's your Georgia Satellites, by the way. Oh, uh, yeah, this is the one you should have got right here. 50 degrees right now at the American Standard Heating Weather Center. Let this play into break. Is this anything? Coming up next. Keep your hands to yourself. Is it depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Is this anything? Hammer, how do we play? Is this anything? I am going to run some stories by you. You tell us if it's anything or not. All right. So this first one is an update from a story we had yesterday. Okay. About the Tampa Bay police chief, Mary O'Connor. She was cruising around on a golf cart in Tampa, and she got pulled over. Uh, Some sort of non-drinking-related stop. Yeah, I don't think the the golf cart had its tags or whatever. Supposed to have a license plate or whatever. Wasn't like she was buzzed or drunk or doing anything. No, no, no. She wasn't even driving. 
Well, she's now officially resigned because she was trying to get out of the traffic ticket by flashing her badge and saying, basically, is there something that we can work out here? Here is the interaction between the police chief, Mary O'Connor, and the deputy that pulled her over. Stopped you because you're driving an unregistered vehicle with no tag on it. Is your camera on? It is. I'm the police chief in Tampa. Oh, how you doing? I'm doing good. Okay. I'm hoping that you'll just let us go tonight. Now that you say I, I, you look familiar, so. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure I do. <laughs> All right, folks. Well, uh, have a good night. So All right, take care. Bother you. All right, no worries. No worries. It was nice meeting you. All right. <laughs> if you ever need anything, call me. Thank Appreciate you. that. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. You're welcome. Mm. Thank you for your service. Thank you for yours. Thank you. So, take care. Yeah, it's something. Unfortunately, I mean, I, I don't like that she had to quote resign, but I mean, you heard her right there. Is your camera on? He goes, yes. The police officer said yes. And then she just proceeded to continue with the, hey, I'm the police chief. Here's my badge. Can you give us a break? Uh, and uh, call me if you need anything. Uh, I don't I don't begrudge her necessarily for doing that. I don't think it was a big deal. Maybe it was a bigger deal if she you know, ran over somebody's dog or she was drunk. or She wasn't even driving. Why even do that? Why put yourself in that position where there are so many people that are probably after your job and don't like your politics? I don't know whether her and the mayor of Tampa have different politics or not. I, I don't, you know, people are, the fact that the, the police officer said, yeah, my, my camera, my body cam's running. She goes, oh, okay, uh, I'm the chief. Uh, here's, all he would have had to do was take the information back to his car, run the thing, and it probably her name probably would have popped up, and, and the police officer would have given him a warning or whatever, right. without having to say anything. And I know, I but don't is know. that what worth you, losing your job? I, I don't over. think so. No, like, I don't think that's recruitment worth. is so down across the country, everywhere in terms of law enforcement. Everybody's looking for recruits, and here's the chief, the chief of police, and because somebody clearly had it out for her now got she was forced out. to resign yeah, that, that body cam footage got got leaked out somehow and uh, again she asked if his camera was on oh uh, yes oh well i'm the police chief here's my badge I, I just think it was an unforced error could have been avoided take the ticket don't mention anything and pay the fine or i don't know make an inquiry about it the next day when you're hey by the way uh you know tell your assistant hey hey can you look into this for me i got pulled over last night right tell them just, not to file the paperwork I mean, <laughs> even that i mean it's just it's such a minor uh driving infraction that i i just can't picture what the chief could have been thinking in terms of hey can you get, can you just let me go here's my badge and i'll uh call me sometime if you need anything whether it was the police chief or anybody else. I know. Maybe somebody that doesn't even work with the police department. Nobody needs to lose a job because of I, that I agree. stop. I, I agree, but at the same time, she shouldn't have she should have been smarter than that. Let's just put it that way. You're the police chief. You know better. Is this anything? Stores are beginning to install beer and alcohol refrigerators that force you to scan your ID to open up the door. Really? Here's a guy going through the process of opening one of these up in the in-store beer yeah. refrigerator at his local place of alcohol. So i never seen this. Check it. These doors don't open. None of the liquor. Put your ID and press scan. It starts scanning your ID. Once it's done scanning, it says what door? I want the Bud Light door. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess that's something. I've never seen that either. You walk into the liquor store and you got to show your ID to just 
open the freezer door to get the beer that you want to purchase at the counter? I mean, I, I would expect theft is probably pretty high at these places, and that would be one way to curb theft is to show your ID or have some sort of technology to scan so you can open the door. But, I mean, if you get a fake ID or something like that or somebody, you, you, you stole somebody else's ID, and then you can still load yourself up with whatever you want and walk out the door, which is pr- pretty hard if you're dealing with cases of beer. But I, I, yeah, I've never seen that that before. That's interesting. If this technology exists, then there's no reason why Indiana can't have gas stations sell cold <laughs> beer yeah. like all the time. Because it's so <laughs> tricky in the state of Indiana where you can and can't sell cold beer. Uh, grocery stores, for that matter, can't sell cold beer. Although it's interesting. Like I, I went into Kroger the other day, and you can't buy cold beer, but they did have like uh, the the hard seltzers in a in a freezer. Not a freezer, but a refrigerated area. So I don't know what the difference is. Why can you have, why can a grocery store have like White Claw and uh, High Noon in a uh, refrigerated open space, but you can't do that with beer? I don't get it. And remember, I believe it was the Rickers convenience stores. They found a workaround where they opened up a restaurant inside and the good time party boys at the Indiana Alcohol Commission shut, shut them down. down. Shut that right down. Ridiculous. Yep. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show on 93 WIBC. Hammer's over there. My name is Nigel. Fired up to be broadcasting live. Come, jam- uh, you know, come down and join the entire WIBC crew all day Friday, all day Saturday. Sullivan's Hardware, 71st and Keystone for Radiothon. Um, I'm not sure what year this is. I don't, that's the only thing I, I forget. I mean, this has got 25, 30 years now raising money for the Salvation Army so kids can have an awesome Christmas. And, uh, you know, the Hammer and Nigel crew brings it when yes. you broadcast live. All You know, WIBC, again, will be there all day, Friday and Saturday, uh, broadcasting live. But uh, our fans get out in droves. Hammer and Nigel yeah. Nation, here's what you need to know. Does it cost you anything to get in? And Pat Sullivan has a bar. Several bars. Yes. Several different bars. And it's Beer Sample Friday. So come out and hang out with us. Uh, We're going to be raising money for the Salvation Army, helping a lot of Hoosiers in need. But uh, come out and hang out with us. Let's make as much noise as we can. Let's be rowdy. Let's have some drinks and let's have a good time. I love... I love Radiothon because there's so many different ways to, to donate. And it makes it so easy. Via text... You could show up there and drop cash off. We hand it right to the folks at the Salvation Army. Right. There's websites you can go to. You can stuff it in my underpants. There's certain... <laughs> well, you turn on Genuine's well, Pony, and I will get up and do some Magic Mike for money. Let's not give people a reason not to show up, <laughs> please. So uh, we'll see everybody Friday all day long at uh, Sullivan Hardware, 71st and Keystone, and all day Saturday as well. Yeah, we'll be there from 3 until 7. So bring the family out. If you want to hang out with us, we'll have a big cheers. We'll We'll do beer sample Friday. There it oh, is. There it is. Oh, that's, that's making me. I think Kylan wants a show. I think it's making me gay. Right, let's see it. <laughs> Live stream's right there. You ready for this? Oh, you just made the biggest mistake of your life, Kylan. <laughs> I got my headphones caught in my jacket. That jack. shot, that oh, shot is going God. a little bit too hard. Yeah. <laughs> um, this headline from Newsmax. Uh. 
It makes me smile. Am I a horrible person because this headline makes me smile? Quote, Putin fell downstairs, soiled himself. <laughs> that's, that's quite the headline. It is. That was uh, is on that for a real? Newsmax website. Report, Putin <laughs> fell downstairs, soiled himself. And then there's a little story that goes along with it. Who how, wouldn't? Uh, he was at his home on Wednesday. He fell down some stairs. And according to the Russian telegram, which is embedded with some of his bodyguards, they say that old Pootie Tang peed his pants. <laughs> well, I mean, he's 70 years old. He's been rumored to have health problems for years. Not not the number four, but F-O-R. Four years. And I got to tell you, like, I'm 46 years old. If I fell down the stairs, I'd probably poop my pants. <laughs> well, he didn't honest. poop. He peed. So we'll just make it perfectly clear. I don't want to be accused of fake news. Specific- he did not poop his pants. He peed his pants, according to the Russian telegram. No, no, I hear soil yourself. I, I think poop. Really? Like, soil it, seems like it's a wet, like urine-like no, substance. Nope, or in Putin's case, he probably pees out straight vodka. <laughs> I would. <laughs> I could do it right now. According to the account, he was walking downstairs when he stumbled and fell to his back, and then he fell on his side and slid down a couple of other stairs. Uh, have you ever fell down the stairs like Hollywood style, like tumble, like it, it, like a full length of stairs? I haven't gone like head over heels, but I was moving some furniture at my mother-in-law's house, and I slipped on a stair, and then... Boom. Like, Ooh. I hit every stair going down. Remember when I had that big bruise yeah. on my kidney? That's yeah. what that was. Oh, man. It hurt so bad. I've never, I think when I was a little kid, I fell down the stairs at the apartment my mom was living in. But older, uh, the only time I've had an experience with the stairs was I, I actually, I, I fell up the stairs. Oh. Uh, there may have been some partying involved you were right Kylan. you were right <laughs> she kind of gave me the drinking nod yeah. as oh, we were uh, discussing here yes yeah i woke up the next morning giant bruise on my uh outer thigh and i go Lindsay, <laughs> why is there why why is there a bruise she goes you fell up the stairs moron <laughs> she was also stork in the movie animal house apparently <laughs> what the hell are we supposed to do you moron <laughs> She didn't sound like Stork. I don't know why I gave her that accent. <laughs> but yes, I've, I've I've fallen up the stairs and it left quite a mark. Dude, there's nothing that makes you look like more of a moron than when you think there's another stair to go. I do that all the time. And there's not. And you just boom. Yeah. It's like, how do I not blow out my ACL every yeah, I time? I do that all the time going up and down the stairs. I think there's another stair or our stairs are wood. So I think I'm going to slip and fall on my butt so I'm gripping the <laughs> railing like a 75 year old woman when I walk down my stairs right it's pathetic every time I go that, to my mother-in-law's house now I'm like I'm shell-shocked yeah. I grab onto that railing and I'm very careful walking what, down somebody explain at Hammer and Nigel what that phantom stair thing is I do that all the time. I think there's another stair. Like there's a yeah. term for it where you think there's always a stair and there's not? Or or maybe it's just senality uh, or uh, dementia or something like that. I don't know. Um, we've been talking a lot about serious topics today, but I think we need to lighten the mood a Please. little bit here, Nige. I think what we need is a holiday memory from the first lady of WIBC, the lovely Terry Stacy. Mm. We celebrate Christmas in our family. Holiday memories with Terry Stacy. My uncle used to dress up like Santa and demand that I sit on his lap. 
But what was weird was that I was 17 years old and it was in July. Holiday <laughs> Memories with Terry Stacy. They do things differently in the uh, yeah. Stacy family during the uh, holidays. I believe there's another holiday memory involving deep frying a horse. <laughs> there is. There we is. Played it's, last week. It's a very interesting yeah. group. According to a new study, Nides, 23% of us will put up holiday decorations this week. <laughs> did you did you laugh at this study? Did you <laughs> By s- this week, yeah. did they mean August? <laughs> yeah. Did you spit at this study? The hammer and not, uh, the, the the hammers uh, laugh at this. This is a joke because you guys get started way early. Let's not get it twisted. The coupon lady gets it started <laughs> early. Uh, but most people, at least 23%, put up either the tree, the decorations, lights of some kind this week. So in honor to stay festive, right? We want to stay in a festive mood. I thought I could have some holiday music here. Would you oh, like please. to hear some holiday music? Uh, yeah. This is some of your Christmas favorites performed by a guy making fart sounds with his hands. <laughs> <laughs> like there was somebody in the crowd that went woo. Here comes the high note. <laughs> the Hammer and Nigel show. Rudolph the red-nosed reindeer. You go down in history. 58 years ago, Rudolph the Red-Nosed uh, Reindeer first aired on NBC. 58 years ago is the, uh, I mean, it's that kind of clumsy stop motion or claymation or whatever it is. Right, right. I, it still holds up. My kids still watch that. Oh, it's a staple though, every year. Yeah. Rudolph, Frosty, and Charlie Brown, uh, the three animated, if you want to call Rudolph that, uh, series that you watch every year. But... I think we have to talk about how much of a jerk Santa is in that Rudolph special. You're calling Santa a jerk? Oh, you're going to wind up on the naughty list. In that special, Santa is redamdiculous. First of all, if you watch it, and if you watched it multiple times, you know what I'm talking about. He makes fun of Rudolph constantly. Rudolph, Rudolph, please, could you tone it down a bit? I mean, that nose of yours. That nose of that yours. That nose of yours. You freak. And I think the biz- <laughs> biggest example of Santa being a total jerk is when the elves, they're literally singing a song about how we are Santa's elves. Now, mind you, they're working 364 <laughs> days a year. They're making the toys. They're crafting the toys. They're painting the toys. They're not songwriters. <laughs> they're not singers. But ultimately, they decide to put together a song called We Are Santa's Elves for Santa. And first of all, the big fat jolly man shows up in a bad mood. Well, let's get this over with. <laughs> so he Come shows on. up in a bad mood. And then after they pour their heart and soul out singing, we are Santa's elves. This is the reaction. Hmm. Well, it needs work. I have to go. <laughs> so they took time out right before their busiest day of the year to sing a song about you, you fat bastard. And that's your reaction. <laughs> And then you've got all the other reindeer. They're mocking young Rudolph. Now, this is happening under Santa's supervision in Rudolph. And young Rudolph is rightfully so visibly sad. 
But how does Santa handle it? He allows the shaming, and then he rips on Rudolph's dad. <laughs> bouncing iceberg. Now, I'm sure it'll stop as soon as he grows up, Santa. Well, let's hope so if he wants to make the sleigh team someday. Donner, you should be ashamed of yourself. What a pity. He had a nice takeoff, too. So wow. Donner's kid is born with, you know, some sort of red nose. And instead of, you know, supporting one of your hardworking reindeer, he tells Donner you should be ashamed of yourself. Wait, D- D- Rudolph is Donner's kid? Apparently. That's what we were learned in the Rudolph oh, special. And more than anything else, Santa refuses to accept any responsibility. And when <laughs> things get kind of tough, like there's a winter storm coming in. Well, hell, that might happen on the North Pole. <laughs> the weather is not ideal. The fat man who works one night a year was ready to just up and quit. Christmas is going to be canceled. <laughs> there's nothing I can do. That's where cancel culture came from. Right. <laughs> but then the same reindeer that he's been making fun of for all year long, his nose shines. Yeah. And then he realizes he can capitalize for his own gain by using the freak reindeer to deliver the gifts. I'm telling you, Santa is the biggest jerk in the yeah. world in that special. It's the Hammer and Nigel show. <laughs> Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? On 93 WIBC. So let's rock it! Well, Hammer, everybody knows that the Republican Party did not perform well at the midterms. A lot of seats flipped in the House. Uh, The Republicans took back the House, still having problems in the Senate. We're going to keep an eye on that uh, Georgia runoff tonight between Warnock and Herschel Walker. Uh, But a lot of people blame the leadership of the uh, Republican Party. And uh, whether it be the same old guys or doing the same old things like Mitch McConnell, uh, Senate Minority Leader, has been there forever. Uh, there's some challengers to Kevin McCarthy, who's going to be the House leader, maybe. And then a lot of other people are looking at the leadership of the RNC chair. So uh, that's Ronna McDaniel, who we've had on this show many times. The RNC chair person basically organizes, they build campaign donations, and they basically uh, they recruit new voters to the Republican Party. And they help lay out the strategy. They help like, lay out the strategy, yeah. Ronna McDaniel's job is to fire up the base, lay out a strategy, and then let your quote-unquote muscle, i.e. McConnell and McCarthy, do their jobs with their respective parties, the House and the Senate. But there's a lot of folks, and I think I'm in this category, that are saying what you're doing isn't working. Because there's no way that you should have been sweating it out in terms of House seats for this midterm election. Whether you're not getting the early votes, whether you're not playing the same game the Democrats are, or maybe it's too negative of a message to America, whatever it is, it's not working. Because if you can't take control of the House and Senate after the last two years that this country's had with inflation and crime and the summer of love and everything and in between, maybe it's time for new leadership. We already know that the MyPillow guy, Mike Lindell, he's got his uh, name in the mix to be the RNC chair. But on a more serious level, attorney Harmeet Dillon has announced that she's going to be running against Ronna McDaniel for the RNC chair. She went on with Tucker last night and announced it. 
I am going to run for RNC chair. And the reason is that, you know, to play off of a famous catchphrase, Republicans are tired of losing. And I think that we really need to radically reshape our leadership in order to win. And we can't keep running elections like we did in the 90s and the 2000s. And we really have to modernize to compete with the Democrats dollar for dollar in the ways they fundraise, the way they deliver their ballots to the ballot boxes. Yeah. Our messaging needs to be fresh and positive and not just reactive to news cycles and what the Democrats are doing. And I think that the party needs to realize that the party has become a populist party, the base of the party demands populist messages that speak to them and not chamber of commerce messages, not neocon messages, not warmonger messages. And I'm afraid that the base of our party is not getting what it needs from our leadership. Yeah. And so what she's saying there is like, we can't be reactive to just what the Democrats are doing. She said something to that effect in that clip. I mean, she's basically saying you can't look at the Democrats and point and say radicals, leftists, look what they're doing over here. Look what they're doing. Look at them. Look at them. You need to probably have more of a uh, robust message. Here's what they're doing. Here's what we're going to do differently. And here's how it's going to improve your lives. And you're going to have to get out and do some groundwork with early voting. And I know with Republicans, for the most part, they pride themselves on going up to vote day of the election. And I'm one of those guys. I like election day. I get excited for it. I'm cool with standing in line and doing my thing. I voted early. I didn't vote by mail, but I didn't vote early. But that's voting by mail. That's another issue the Republicans are going to have. They right. Take advantage of it. Take I mean, advantage use, of it. Play. I mean, take a take a page out of the Democrat playbook. Like if they're going to allow ballot harvesting, as much as you might not like it, play the game because you're losing the game right now. Now, Dylan might not be the only one challenging Ronna McDaniel. This is a tweet from New York's Lee Zeldin. Quote, I've been seriously considering your requests to run for RNC chair. I will announce my decision at 8 a.m. on December 7th, waiting until Wednesday mm. to keep the focus on the Georgia runoff. If you live in Georgia, please vote for Herschel Walker. Yeah, Zeldin's quality ran for governor of New York um, against unelected uh, Democrat radical Hochul. They, uh, he lost. I'm, I'm not quite. I think it was. I don't know how narrow of a margin it was, but he uh, did better than expected. And as a result, the down ballot in New York, there was a bunch of House seats that flipped because of Lee Zeldin. Now, the challenge they're facing is the establishment swamp. Mm -hmm. And we've heard it a million times because according to multiple reports, more than 100 RNC members out of the full 168, have signed this pledge to keep Ronna McDaniel in power for her re-election bid. Now, I, I don't know how much of a difference. I, I don't know that a lot of people know what the RNC chair is or does anyway and how much of a difference that makes. I tried to explain it to you at the beginning of this segment. But I would say guys like Mitch McConnell and Kevin McCarthy are probably more in the spotlight than somebody like Ronna McDaniel. I'm glad you bring up McCarthy because Andy Biggs, who is a Republican out of Arizona, has announced that he is going to challenge Kevin McCarthy for the speaker position. Now, McCarthy is going to be the majority leader, but they can't vote on speaker until a couple more weeks. And you've already heard some Republicans, Matt Gates probably being the most vocal, saying, I will not vote for Kevin McCarthy because of really the same thing you heard Harmeet Dillon say, we're tired of losing. 
We're tired of this direction that the party's going in. So there's a lot of drama still going you on. You could wind up with somebody. They 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 mess around here without getting too much into the weeds. Or Republicans mess around here with this Speaker of the House thing. They could wind up somebody with somebody much worse than Kevin McCarthy. That's true. Very true. Uh, you mentioned it earlier. Tonight is the Georgia runoff. Rain, bad weather expected in Georgia today. So again, if you are somebody that's banking on a big voter turnout the day of, and I think Herschel Walker is doing that because that's the M.O. of the Republicans, we show up on election day, this is not good news. Because if somebody's debating, do I want to stand outside and get rained on for 20 minutes, or do I just want to say, screw it, the Democrats have the advantage anyway, I'm going to go back home, they're more than likely going to do choice B. And now the Democrats are looking at a two-seat Senate advantage. Yeah, not only that, but the, the polling shows that it's it's Warnock by a, a slim margin. And Warnock is more popular with women, according to the polls. And How is that and, possible? And, and, and Warnock, well, I mean, first of all, Herschel Walker has some problems with um, the whole abortion thing and, and being, you know, saying one thing and doing another in his past. But there hasn't been domestic violence well, like allegations right. against You're Herschel Walker. Right. Yeah. So that's going on tonight. And again, we established that it's not really tailgate-worthy in the Nige house, right? <laughs> no. Tonight. No, although, again, the wife's out of town, the kids will be in bed early, and my feet will be up with a nice glass of uh, Jim Beam. Uh, keeping an eye on things. Okay. All right. Daughter might have to wake me up tomorrow morning on the couch. <laughs> Kidding. Everybody calm down. It was a joke, kind of. You know, I, I missed all the coverage of Michael Avenatti's arrest oh, yeah. on all the morning shows today. Uh, creepy porn lawyer. Good Morning America, you know, CBS, you know, NBC, the Today Show. I was looking for coverage of Avenatti's arrest, but I didn't see anything, Nigel. What happened? Because they all loved, you know, I, I would assume they would have covered him because they loved him. Saving the Look, country. Don Meacham says he may be the savior of the republic. You are something of a folk hero now. <laughs> People all like you. Donald Trump is terrified of Michael Avenatti. Uh, one reason why I'm taking you seriously as a contender is because of your presence on cable news. You look at the field of Democrats right now and Avenatti's the one who stands out. If they decide they value a fighter most, yes. people would be foolish to underestimate Michael yeah. Avenatti. Lately to me, you're like the Holy Spirit. <laughs> oh my God! And then the whole Stelter clip where he said, "Well, a lot of people consider you a contender because of your presence on cable news." The only reason Avenatti was ever on cable news is because he humiliated Donald Trump. That's it. And his association with representing Stormy Daniels, who Trump supposedly hooked up with back in the day. And that's, that's why only. Tucker Carlson, among others, called yeah. him creepy porn lawyer. <laughs> yeah. So since there wasn't a lot of coverage of their buddy being arrested this morning, here at the Hammer and Nigel show, we put together a little commercial for oh. Michael Avenatti's law practice since he's not going to be able to be around to you know help it out. Have you slipped and fallen or accidentally been gang raped or even Jeez. sexually assaulted? Even if you didn't really, you may be entitled to free publicity. At Avenatti and Avenatti, we troll for troubled women and exploit them for every ounce of our media that we can manage. Remember that porn star you didn't really sleep with? Well, what are you waiting for? At Avenatti and Avenatti, we don't get publicity until you get publicity. Haven't suffered any high crimes or sex demeanors? No problem. Our team of publicity professionals will help trigger your memory until we find something suitably salacious for the major media to eat right up. We get you the publicity 
we deserve. Because at Avenatti and Avenatti, you put the Avenatti back into Avenatti. Call 1-900-PORN-LAW to speak to an attorney now. It's 1-900-PORN-LAW. Calls are just $3,000 a minute. <laughs> I love it when Tucker looked at Avenatti when he had him on and said, hey, how's it make you feel when Stormy Daniels is up on a pole somewhere in Richmond and you're wearing $15,000 suits? And they put his name on the cryon as creepy yeah. porn lawyer. Yeah. Same or Nigel show. Uh, actress Kirstie Alley uh, dies at 71. Got the word late last night. She uh, died of cancer. It's a bummer, well, man. A lot of people didn't even know she was battling cancer. She kind of kept that close to her vest. Uh, cheers, Veronica's Closet. Uh, look who's talking. Some of uh, some of her resume there. Can I give you a couple underrated movies featuring Kirstie Alley? Uh, number one, sure. Summer School. With Mark Harmon. Oh, um, Miss Bishop. Yeah. She was the other teacher, the soon-to-be love interest of Mark Harmon in summer school. Okay. And she did a movie with Tim Allen where they go to like an Amish farm called Till Death Do Us Part. Was that her? Yes. I'm just now remembering that as you mention it. Right. Yes. They were like the big city New Yorkers, and they <laughs> yeah. got into some shenanigans, and they stopped off at the Amish farm, and they were faking it. Uh, but it's a funny movie. It's a good movie. Uh, I liked Kirstie Alley. Did you like her better? I mean, she she took Shelley Long's place after she left Cheers. You and uh, I were in a text thread with our bosses last night about this whole thing. I would say Cheers might be the only show, at least that I can recall, that got better when they added more characters. True. Usually in a TV show, when they add characters, yeah. that's a sign that it's about to go off the air. Cousin Oliver, they brought in Leo in Growing Pains. It was a total <laughs> turd. But with Cheers, after uh, the coach impressive. had passed away, they brought in Woody. And I thought that was an upgrade. Sure. And in Cheers as well, when Shelley Long's character, Diane, left, they brought in Rebecca. Kirstie Alec. And I thought Rebecca was better than Diane, and I thought Woody was better than Coach. Yeah, I thought Rebecca definitely had more wit about her. I thought she was a lot better looking, a lot sexier. Yeah. Uh, uh, She'd mix it up with Sam Malone. (laughs) Right. Um, Right. And and, and Cheers is one of those things where, uh, you know, I'm a child of the 80s. I I grew up, when it it was on, I I probably didn't understand all the jokes when I was watching as I was young, but I still, and and to this day, all all the brand new content that's on uh, streaming services. I think the last I saw Cheers was on Netflix. It might not be anymore, but that's all I'd watch is, is you know, I'd be in a, doing laundry, something in the background, putting together a, a damn toy for the kids and have right. Cheers on in the background. Just hit play all and that's it. Our boss, David, and I were discussing this last night. I would much rather be friends with the gang at Cheers than I would the show Friends, right? <laughs> Wait, you'd rather be friends with Norm than uh, than than Ross and Rachel? <laughs> I got a hell of a lot more in common with all of those folks sitting at a bar, you know, boozing it up, talking about sports and chicks, than I do a bunch of 20-somethings in New York that wouldn't give me the time of day. So, yeah, all the characters on Cheers, like, they all had moments where they were funny. Cliff Clavin and Norm and Woody and Carl just being rude and over the top. Are, are you consider? Are you a drunk? Like was Norm? <laughs> was Norm? Was Norm? Well, yes, was, was George? Was George Went a drunk? Was he? Uh, these guys that were there every day. 
drinking. You never saw them get hammered. Like they were never really? like falling off the bar stool. They were never slurring their speech. I would just say they were guys that liked to hang out, almost like a okay. social club. So, so not necessarily alcoholics. Although Sam Malone's character, uh, or Sam Malone, who played uh, Ted Danson, Ted Danson's character, Sam Malone was a recovering alcoholic. All right. you saw him drink, he played one on the show. All you saw him drink was coffee. Right, coffee or a bottle of water or something toward the end. You're right. You're right. That's weird. But no, I wouldn't consider Norm or Cliff alcoholics because okay. I never saw them, you know, just get out of control. There's a new study. Three steps towards giving someone a compliment they'll actually appreciate. Okay. Hammer. Uh, use their name. So mention them by name. Make your compliment specific, not generic. Okay. So use their name and then be specific. And then ask a follow up question afterward. All right, so let me see if I can follow these directions. I'm going to give you a compliment, and based on the study where I have to use your name, yeah. be specific, and ask a question, tell me if this works for you. Okay. Hey, Nigel, your fat ass looks really sweaty today. <laughs> Why does it glisten so much? Did I well, do that right? My goodness. I- I'm so <laughs> glad you asked, Hammer. Oh, wow. What a compliment. So that's how it's done. Now we know that. All right. That's awesome. The dumbest thing I've ever read. <laughs> uh, hit me with a little legal yeah. stuff. Oh, Crime. Punishment. Judges. Legal stuff. I mean, we could have made this booze news as well. Um, a holiday party in Michigan got a little carried away after an employee dressed as the Grinch got hammered drunk and then attacked another employee who was dressed up like a reindeer. <laughs> the police ultimately arrested the guy in the Grinch oh, suit for assault. I don't know what company this is, but I, I sure as hell want to work there. That sounds like a good time. That sounds like a great holiday party to me. We used to have the best holiday parties here, man. Did they you were ever, fun. Like, Have you ever had a mishap at a work function or, or a party? Have I had my seen? zipper break off my pants, and I was kind of showing everybody my crotch. But other than that, like that was beyond my control. Yeah, you probably didn't even know that happened. Like, Somebody pointed it out oh, to me. Oh, really? Which tells me they were looking at my crotch. They were totally checking it out. Oh, wow. Okay. A new survey shows that more Americans plan to buy <laughs> gifts for their pets this holiday really? season than for their in-laws. <laughs> so, wait a minute. More people are buying pets for their, or gifts for their pets than the people that are actually in their family? Their wife or husbands, moms or dads? Survey shows Shut that 34% up. of people are going to be buying something for their dog or their cat, <laughs> compared to 19% who are going to buy gifts for their in-laws. Oh wow! What would you do? Like, what would your what would your in-laws do? What would Brownie do if you came in and bought a gift for the dog, like a big old bone, but uh, it, it gave him the shaft? He'd be mad he didn't get the bone. <laughs> knowing Brownie, um, here's a little uh, oh tribute uh, for all of the folks that are going to be buying gifts for their pets. <laughs> Pets not in laws, pets not in laws, they're just not the same. <laughs> Buying gifts for cats and dogs, cause your folks are insane. Dogs are wagging, cats are purring, in laws just wanna fight. So spoil your pets, forget the rest. 
Because the in-laws get zipped tonight. <laughs> there you go. A little something for uh, the folks buying their pets gifts and not the in-laws. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. You're listening to The Hammer and Nigel Show. Hey, Tony! Hey, Tony! Pretty boy, Tony. It's Tuesday with Tony Cass on The Hammer and Nigel Show. Uh, Don't want to keep Tony waiting. There you go. My name is Nigel. Hammer's here, hooking up live with Tony Katz for Tuesdays with Tony. We've had a few days to let the Elon Musk Twitter email dump sink in, put out a bunch of uh, internal emails kind of showing how Twitter was censoring and suppressing the Hunter Biden laptop story. What did you think? Uh, is it news? I mean, it's obviously news. Is it big news? The White House is, is brushing it off as a, a distraction, Tony. What are your thoughts? I don't care what cringe Jean-Pierre, cringe Jean-Pierre um, wants to brush off as a distraction. Uh, this is who they are. Uh, to, to know, of course, for fact that uh, Hunter Biden was trading on the family name, I mean, that, that's extremely important stuff. The bombshell, right? People are like, this isn't the bombshell. And the, you even had uh, one of the guys from Fox, Will Kane. I'm staring at the story, uh, tells uh, Hunter Biden's repair shop owner flat out, there's no smoking gun in Elon Musk Twitter files. This is a very short-sighted view, in my view, because the argument is not specifically that what we know from the dump thus far um, tells us anything new. It's that the reaction to the dump tells us how okay some people are with keeping other people silent. The idea that there are those who want to tell others what they can and can't say, they want to decide the narrative, and they're so infuriated they don't control Twitter. Twitter anymore. That's the bombshell. Look at all the people who went after Matt Taibbi. I'm not a Matt Taibbi fan. And this is not a guy who agrees with me politically. Explain but who Matt Taibbi is. That's Matt Taibbi is a reporter. He was with Rolling Stone. He now has his own Substack, And he is the guy Elon Musk gave the information to all these internal documents and said, hey, put out uh, the story. And he's the guy who coined it, the Twitter files, and was then putting out the piece by piece, the play by play of what it is uh, that he he saw. And you had people from MSNBC and from the New York Times and others going after Matt Taibbi, all with the same talking points. I can't believe Taibbi is doing PR for the richest man in the world. Everybody, PR, richest man in the world. Oh, they all said it. it, This was their attack. This was their talking points. This was like bringing back journalists. This was the strategy. That's the bombshell. Look at what they're willing to do to a guy for reporting on a story. Because some stories just aren't worth reporting on. They want to decide what journalism is. They want to decide what the narrative is. And they are more than willing to okay to, to be okay with the idea that there are some things you should never hear. So where do we go from here? What would you like to see happen next? Because when this story broke uh, toward the end of our show last Friday, Tony, I looked at Nigel and said, okay, it's out there in the open, but this is stuff we already knew. A lot of people already knew this stuff was going out, but now that it's out there in the open, where do we want to go from here? 
Um, I, I don't know if I understand the question. And Well, is anybody going to answer for this? I mean, so, right. is know, there going to be investigations? Is somebody going to have their feet held to the fire here? Do you expect Washington or any lawmakers to get involved in saying, hey, this is a big deal. You censored a story right before an election. Maybe it shaped an election. This has to be talked about publicly. So, so a couple of things within this. First, anybody who says, well, Trump was president, so it wasn't government involvement, is what's known as a sophist. Uh, and, and that argument of, well, Biden's, you know, it's just a candidate. It's not like government controlled. The Democratic Party could decide what gets said on Twitter. If that's okay by you, you're a disgusting human being and there's a place in hell for you. So we understand each other. Not only will I tell you that nose to nose, I'll tell it to your sister and your mother and a cop and a judge. There is a place in hell for someone who says it's totally fine for a political party to tell a social media platform what to talk about and what not to talk about. Will there be anything legal that comes from this? Well, of course not. The only legal things we're seeing is the lawsuits possible against Elon Musk because he took away the left's favorite toy. You'll see that the federal government is now going after Elon Musk for this concept he has called Neuralink, uh, which is about uh, some really freaky stuff about implanting chips in your head. Count me out right there. Um, But there's nothing else to come of it. What has to come of it is the next dump of data. You see, saying that this was no big deal, saying that this was boring, saying it wasn't a bombshell, is to try and downplay other things that Elon Musk might dump. And my answer is, Mm. dump more. Dump it all. And don't dump it on a Friday like you're taking out the trash. Dump it on a Tuesday at 3 p.m. so it leads the news hours. Force people into it. I want to see more of the level of evil of uh, of this political group group known as the progressives, mainly because, not that I expect them to change, I want to see the right learn that, oh, maybe you really do have to fight, and you got to fight yeah. hard, yeah. and that's what matters. And, and I feel like Biden's throwing it in our face. I mean, Hunter Biden is still at the White House. He was at some state dinner the other night, and I think he was at the Kennedy Center Honors, and it's almost like Joe Biden, the president, is, is saying, you know, giving us the big middle finger. Hey, yeah, guess what? All this stuff is all fine and good. I'm still the president. I'm still here. And I think that's what the real story yeah, is. Yeah, but, but I mean, that's his son. We're all, his son's hanging out with his yeah. dad. His son's hanging out uh, with his he dad. He shouldn't Nothing's be anywhere going- near the White House, though. You're, you're you're acting, Nigel, like these people have shame. <laughs> you're right. You're totally right. You know, if you want to argue that Trump had no shame, you're, you're totally fine with doing it. If you don't also argue that Biden has no shame, that's the kind of whore you are. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I don't think I do. and, and Tony, bringing it back to <laughs> what you said earlier. You just yeah, called me a whore? You just called me a whore. Days. <laughs> I am days. all in for another dump. And I believe Barry Weiss is an another reporter that's got some information right. from Elon Musk. I'm here for that. But ultimately, do you think the Republicans have enough hair on their peaches to fight back? You mentioned fighting back earlier. It's never really been a strong suit of the Republican Party to fight back against this kind of stuff. No, no they, they, they are weak uh, in, in that regard. But this is different because while Elon Musk is not a Republican, not a conservative by any stretches, I, I would view it. 
Look at now what his purchase of Twitter has allowed. It has allowed for a more open conversation to take place. What the Republicans now have to do is take it directly to the Democratic Party every time they make a claim to care about the Constitution to publicly laugh in their face. And every time that they claim to be a party that's upholding the republic and upholding democracy to laugh in their face and they have to be personal about it and they have to be aggressive about it. I would rather focus on policy if, if you're asking me what matters to me. But look at what the party did. It's an unforgivable and it's not even the party's fault. They took advantage of the opportunity because everybody on Twitter is, an, is also a leftist. If you don't point this out, if you don't call people to task, Ro Kahana, Representative Ro Kahana of California, Democrat, wrote to Twitter and said, guys, you're violating the principles of the First Amendment. you got to stop doing this. And you know what Twitter did to Ro Kahana? They patted him on the head. This guy is a progressive. This guy is a leftist leftist. But he said it right. He was correct. And for that, he deserves our respect. But there's not another Democrat who shouldn't get absolute derision while they're doing interviews. I argue this all the time. While one of these leftists is on CNN, a Republican needs to interrupt the interview and call them a fraud. How dare you? What you did with Twitter is disgusting. You tried to silence people. You tried to shape an election. You want to talk about democracy? You don't know anything about democracy. This whole democracy is out of order. They got to do the whole thing right there on national television. They got to start pushing for, there could be a conversation about pushing for legislation. They got to be pushing people to create more platforms. They want to get into investigations of what other platforms have done. Absolutely. This is the kind of response that is necessary because you need to get the story out more because of course if you take a look at ABC, NBC and C I believe it's CBS and the total amount of time they spent talking about the Twitter story it's zero minutes. Unbelievable. Uh, Tuesdays with Tony Katz. Before you get out of here Tony you were telling us off the air something I, I haven't heard about this yet something about what Howard Stern said about the passing of uh, Kirstie Alley. So uh, as the this. story goes um she, I guess, I didn't know Kirstie Alley died of colon cancer. I didn't know that she had uh, uh, colon, colon cancer at, at, at all. Um, and Stern starts floating the idea uh, that, you know, well, she was anti-mandate. Maybe this was a theory this morning because oh, we were all boy. discussing it. Maybe she didn't go to the doctor soon enough when she wasn't feeling well. What? So is Stern like advocating the idea that that Kirstie Alley wasn't taking care of herself because she was anti-mandates uh, in terms of COVID vaccines, so she didn't go to a doctor? That doesn't make any sense. Holy hell! What the hell has happened to Howard Stern? Like 25-year-old Howard Stern, if he got into a time machine and saw what he would ultimately become, he'd kick this version right square in the beanbag. I don't, I don't know what's happened to him. <laughs> I am right there with you. Remember, I grew up in Jersey. Uh, that, that was Stern country. People, because uh, he used to do afternoons before mornings, pulled over on the side of New Jersey Turnpike laughing so hard they could not drive. That happened to my father more than once. And you'd see people laughing in their cars. Everybody was listening. It was that incredible. Whoever this guy is now, that's not Howard Stern. What's coming up tomorrow on the big shows, Tony? Uh, well, not Howard Stern. Uh, okay, bigger good. than that. Good. Better than that. More joyous uh, than that. Oh, Joe Rogan is accusing The Rock of doing steroids. Uh-oh. Oh. So I figure oh, I no. might as well dive in. All right. He's on social media at Tony Katz. Facebook is Tony Katz Radio. TK, thank you.
Thank you. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. You set them up and I'll knock them back, Lloyd. One by one. We are going to read Booze News because it's really fun. Once it hits your lips, it's so good. Hammer and Nigel presents Booze News, Booze News. Yeah. Man, they know how to drink in Australia. They do it big in Australia. They have a high tolerance down under. This chick is facing charges. Too many holiday drinks for this woman who was on her way home from a work party behind the wheel. Oh, man. Those work parties, they'll get you, Nige. Just one little extra glass of Chardonnay. That could be trouble (laughs) this time of year. Yeah, well, how about like 50 extra glasses? She crashed her car. Gave it a breathalyzer test and was found to be six times the legal limit. Whoa, baby. Six times. So that wasn't just an extra glass of wine. That was shotgunning, just rubbing alcohol. That's that's what was known, uh, I believe, in legal speak as a problem. Ooh. Uh, Man, he has a problem. Six. I mean, could you imagine like six times the legal limit? I, I don't know. I don't never. I don't think I've ever been that bad. I mean, maybe three times. Two, yeah. two or three times. Is probably six. My, I mean, I've been in some bad you, shape you're, before. You're in. You're in the hospital at that point, aren't you? And I can't believe that nobody was injured in this situation. Everybody's all right. Everybody's fine. She didn't crash and kill anybody. But good lord, like I don't know yeah. how much I would have to drink to even get to six times the legal limit. And, and by the way, probably time to put it down permanently. You know what I mean? Like, is that yeah, rock bottom right there? That six is, times the legal well, limit. Rock bottom is getting behind the wheel and crashing, putting yourself and others in harm. Sure, yeah. No more booze for you. In uh, other uh, booze news, Miller High Life took a page out of a Christmas story. They made a leg lamp beer tower. Oh, I like I this. One. I'm you kind can, of on board for this. Uh, you can grab one for yourself this Friday, just twenty bucks. And of course, you know what the Christmas story leg lamp. You know what I'm referring to, right? Right, it's Everybody a major that. award. Would you look at that? What is it? Well, it, it, it's a leg. But what is it? Yeah, well, it, it, it's a, a leg, you know, like in a statue. <laughs> statue? Yeah, statue. Yeah, statue. Ralphie, this <laughs> is a lamp. What a great lamp. Oh, I'd want one of those in my front window if I could. Does it come in a box that says fragile? <laughs> because if they put it in that box, I might just keep the box and not even open it. Uh, more Hammer and Nigel next. 93 WIBC.